0: Podcast about horror video games. My name is Ali. I'm joined by my friend James. How's it going, James? Hey, everybody. Today is a topic episode, and the topic is what is scary. <laughs> what uh, is scary? What is scary? Outside. <laughs> yeah, I was just <laughs> out there. It sucks, man. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, but, you know, we get this question a lot whenever we do Q&As, or people sometimes pop in, and they're like, you know, they want to ask us some variant of the question, you know, what do you find scary in video games? How does a game make itself scary, like, in your opinion? And so I figured we'd just have, like, a longer conversation about it. It's a topic that I've been suggesting for a while, but I think it's super prescient because we just played Visage, which... (laughs) we both agreed is like probably the scariest game we've ever played. It is scary. So thanks for,
1: thanks for tuning in this week. We'll see you later.
0: <laughs> yeah. The, the answer to what is scary is visage. Uh, that's all we got for you. I think there's a lot of things that go into making a game scary or mm-hmm. making it like unnerving to the player. So I'm, I'm always interested in talking about the stuff and breaking it down. Uh, I think there's a few, like, meta questions to ask, too, even before we get into it, you know?
1: Yeah, it's also personal, between person to person, but I think when, when it's limited to video games, I think there are, you know, several fundamental things you can do uh, to make the game scary.
0: Yeah, for sure. Like, there's different approaches or different tactics that different games use uh, to make a game scary. But yeah, it's also super personal. Like you know, there's a bunch of questions kind of to discuss before we even get into it. Um, you know, mm-hmm. one we were we were just talking about this before we started recording, which is like, you know, what what do you even find scary in terms of mediums? Because like, uh, I was saying that I've never really thought movies were scary. Like, oh really? Movies just don't scare me, and I think it's just because I was desensitized at such a young age watching this shit Mm. and like i love horror movies i absolutely love them i mean we do a you know monica and i do a podcast about horror movies and like i watch mostly horror movies like almost exclusively if it wasn't for her i probably would only watch horror movies you know (laughs) um but yeah it's more just like i like them i it's rare that one of them really scares me uh Mm. i've always thought games were scarier i've always thought the immersive interactive element made them scarier you know
1: yeah, I, I mean, we've just been playing so many horror games over the past, what, 75 weeks that really? um, I feel like I'm becoming a little desensitized. You know, when when we started the podcast, one of the earliest uh, episodes was the uh, Outlast episode. And that game was scary as hell. And it was very stressful. But now thinking, like, so many episodes later it it takes a lot to you know get me jumpy and it's appropriate that you know we did visage a couple weeks ago because that one brought me back
0: (laughs) yeah well for sure and i think that's one thing that we've talked about in the show before that bears repeating is like we aren't the people to whom a game being scary is really important Um, uh a game being scary is more of like a rare occurrence that's a nice surprise and i mean truly scary like it really gets under your skin it really scares you unsettles you ruins your night in a cool way like sure because we're desensitized because we're horror fans and i feel like a lot of people who are hardcore horror fans feel this way too it's not unique to us but because of that it's not really important that a game is scary and so i think that's why we don't talk about it In the vast majority of the episodes, right? Because, like, you know, like, yeah, like, Silent Hill 2, the first time I played it, I thought it was scary. I was a kid, you know? When I play it now, it's not scary to me, so it's more interesting to talk about the themes than it is to talk about what in the game I think is scary or unsettling, Mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and maybe there's some overlap there, but i think in media about horror right now i mean just because of like dumbass youtubers and shit like (laughs) there's such a focus on you know that like oh i'm so scared oh i'm so scared i'm screaming i'm throwing my controller oh i I gave my my mom a fucking aneurysm because i threw an xbox controller (laughs) at her head or whatever and like all that kind of shit like it's just so fucking dumb and it's also like not us because we're like horror fans right like we don't do that
1: but okay putting the brakes on that a little bit though Silent Hill 2 may not be scary to you or me but uh, to the average person playing it or maybe like a first time player um, not an avid horror freak that's been playing horror games for 75 weeks straight um, that game might be freaky and scary to people
0: oh yeah for sure and I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad if they're scared of stuff that we don't think is scary I'm just saying Mm. that like that's why we don't talk about whether or not games are scary because like a lot of shit just isn't (laughs) scary though you know what I mean like when you yeah well
1: yeah we we highlighted it in the visage episode because it's such a uh, successful uh fright fest you know
0: yeah oh for sure but I think that's like to me that's what differentiates like coverage of horror games by people who mostly consume horror media and coverage Mm. of horror games by, like, mainstream games media.
1: And it's not really the driving force behind um, us even doing, like, a horror podcast. I think both of of us are more interested in the themes that horror games bring up than most other genres don't bring up than uh, just spooks.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah, you know, themes, aesthetics, the artistic aspects of horror games that sets them apart from normal games you know Mm -hmm. like even to the point where I feel that there are certain things that normal games have started or you know not started but have been taking for a while from horror games because horror games do them better, uh, like music, for example. Like sometimes you play a game that just has like super moody ass music, but it's not a horror game, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, this is like you totally got this from horror games. And yes, correct, moody music is better. Like, sorry, that's just how. And it I is.
1: also think horror games were one of the earliest genres that were successful at more cinematic storytelling. You know, Resident Evil in '95 and Silent Hill a few years later. Yeah. Um. You know what else did we have that was highly cinematic like that? Um. You know until Metal Gear
0: Solid. Right. And even Metal Gear Solid, I feel like, takes a lot of influence from horror games. Like, sure. It does a lot of horror stuff. You know. I feel like Kojima's always had a push and pull with horror, which is why it's funny that he's never actually made a a traditional horror game. You know. Sure. Um. But yeah. You know. Another thing I think that's That is interesting, though, in contrast to that is like what drives the impulse to find scary games, you know, (laughs) because we say we just agree that it's not important to like a game's quality if it's scary, but you still have that kind of impulse or that drive to find scary stuff, which I think really comes from like the way you grew up, you know, like I said it in the Visage episode, but I feel like a lot of people who are horror fans When they were younger, maybe they still do, but when they were younger, they had a very strong impulse to, like, I want to see the scariest thing, you know, Mm. like, I want to find the scariest thing. It's kind of like that thrill-seeking sort of impulse. Yeah. Well,
1: there's, you know, a lot of sick fucks out there. (laughs) Hello, fellow sick fucks. No, yeah, I think it is thrill-seeking. You know, it's the same reason why they made race cars after they made cars you know uh yeah you know horror horror movies horror as a medium was meant to scare people you know
0: so yeah hell yeah people like that shit yeah and it's just like an extra point of excitement right like if a new horror game comes out and it's really good that's just as a game that's a point of excitement like oh this it plays really good it has a good story whatever but then if it's also like really scary yeah, it's like, oh, this is exciting now. You know, like, I mm-hmm. want to play this.
1: Well, and, you know, a lot of times we will overlook uh horror game's flaws because it's scary. Um, we do that a lot. You know, we forgive tank controls. We forgive um, clunky combat or clunky, um, you know, item management and things like that because a game is spooky. So,
0: yeah absolutely and especially if it can sort of use its resources use the things at its disposal to create a whole experience you know that is Mm -hmm. horrifying or that is scary yeah that's a powerful tool that's something that you wouldn't say about just like a normal action game right like it doesn't have that x factor of like it's trying to do this thing you know Unless it is. And I think that's why there are certain action games that have become very popular because they have mood and atmosphere and all that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah. That's probably a reason why some of these games got remade several times too. You know, like the botched Resident Evil 2 and all the botched Resident Evil 4s. It's it's a fine balance, you know. I think um, you can get a little more you can get away with more in horror.
0: Yeah, for sure. And that's something that's definitely going to come up as we have this conversation is balance. Like this whole genre is really driven on like such a fine balance between being fun to play, being scary and unsettling and just being bad sometimes (laughs) like, or like being antagonistic towards the player even, where it's like you have to balance all these different ideas in order to make a good horror game.
1: And I think there's a bit of a a style over substance too. You know, these these horror games are heavily stylized and there's a, you know, a real balance between where they can become like unplayable messes, like something like D2 and something that's clunky but really, really successful, like RE1. Yeah,
0: for sure. Or even some of the less successful modern games in the style of a like gen one survival horror, like back Mm -hmm. in 1995 or the glass staircase where it's like, it's not good enough to overcome the technical flaws or the nuts and bolts flaws, you know, the things about it that are not good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a good segue into the first thing I wanted to highlight the first, you know, element that horror games use to make themselves scary Uh, or, you know, to make themselves, like, engaging to the player, uh, which is atmosphere and space. I think this is kind of the original thing, in my opinion, that set horror games apart because, you know, Resident Evil on the PS1 and especially Silent Hill uh, and even some other, like, early survival horror games all had a ton of atmosphere and space, you know? Um... Mm. And some of this is obviously by design and some of this seems very circumstantial, you know, like there's this element of they didn't have the tech to make something that was like fast paced and immersive. So it had to be really slow, had to Mm. be really cinematic and there had to be a lot of space and silence to lead up to an effective scare uh because you couldn't just have something come on screen that was like well rendered and scary so sure you know
1: i th- i think going with space um you might want to uh, you might even consider adding place to it because a lot of these early horror games they all take place in a centralized location we have spencer mansion you know even going way back we have like maniac mansion uh hugo's house of horrors they all take place in one area really and you get to know it you get to know silent hill um so i think that's really important too you're not just swept to the next location on stage two
0: yeah for sure i think that's one of the amazing things about playing all these old games is that they play the long game with shocks or scares right it's Mm -hmm. like you have one place that you're in they'll make you explore the place and make you loop around but because of the limitations they have to play the long game so you know the most famous scare in the original resident evil is the dog jumping through the window at you right (laughs) um and that's great because at that point in the game not a lot has happened honestly like you you go into the mansion you see a zombie, but then you don't see a lot of other zombies or enemies, and you're just kind of poking around, and it's mm-hmm. very silent and quiet, and then suddenly there's a dog that's coming through the window at you. That's fucked yeah. up, right?
1: Um, well, you haven't met any dogs. yeah. And you haven't met any windows breaking yet.
0: so Yeah, you didn't <laughs> it's even completely know. completely unexpected. Yeah, and actually, my favorite scare like this is actually in the Resident Evil remake, originally for the GameCube, uh, which we've covered, but they changed the the zombies in that game so that if you don't burn the bodies they'll get back up right yeah and like two hours later yeah so (laughs) the first time i experienced that was with a zombie that looks like part of the background who's been there the whole game and he's in this one hallway and at a certain point in the game he just fucking stands up and it's like (laughs) oh my fucking god like yeah It's so scary and it's so fucked up, but it's because the game waited, it was patient, and it kind of let you get used to something before changing it on you.
1: Sure. Yeah.
0: I think Silent Hill, the original Silent Hill, is like super relevant to this conversation because it Mm -hmm. basically did all this stuff perfectly before anybody else did, more or less. Yeah, well also,
1: Silent Hill does things where like... uh, when you first get to the school in Silent Hill, you you go through the entire place, first floor, second floor, you, you go into the basement, and then it turns the world upside down, and you have to do it all again, and it all feels new and horrifying. Uh, It, it gives you that sense of familiarity, and then it, like, yanks it out from under you.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, Silent Hill is, like, super patient. Uh the beginning of silent hill 2 is as well the intro of silent hill 2 is kind of like a master class and like just waiting and mm-hmm. fucking with players in subtle ways but yeah like it'll make you explore huge environments that are really quiet with nothing going on and then suddenly it'll flip it on its head it's way scarier looking and stressful there's stressful you know trash can banging music playing everywhere there's mm-hmm. like uh you know nonsense architecture yeah and you have to make your way through and suddenly it's much more stressful
1: uh, you know it was really stressful in silent hill is when they take the fucking map from you with yeah. the whole game you're like so used to just like it's your security blanket right every time mm-hmm. you go into a new room you hit triangle to look at the map and then they take it away from you on the last uh on the last dungeon Bastards.
0: yeah yeah for sure well and also at certain points in the original silent hill they'll do the kind of like nonsense progression thing in a really cool way where like Uh you'll go through a door and you'll go to the wrong place you know like you know the environment you know where you're supposed to go and you don't go there oh man
1: yeah well they pull that trick the first time in the school and it really messes with you yeah yeah like you enter the women's restroom and then you exit and you're on the wrong floor yeah and only one door does that in the entire building
0: yeah (laughs) it's so (laughs) fucking cool and it's also a really cool idea um, which is that the game itself you know you could say the narrative or the dialogue or whatever is supposed to be vague and unsettling but they actually did that with the visuals and the game design right um, um, and yeah, it's it's always just so impressive to go back to those games because they're so patient and they're so weird. And they're just willing to wait to fuck with you in a way that not a lot of other games are and not a lot of other games in the series are either, really.
1: And at the same time, they're not 40 or 50 hour games. They're still done in eight hours.
0: Yeah, exactly. So the patience is really striking, right? Like, yeah. if you play a game that's like 40 hours long, a long intro is like normal, right? You're like, oh yeah. yeah, of course. But if you play a short game with a long intro or that's patient with, you know, delivering these big set pieces, uh, it's very impressive and it's very striking.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So, some modern games. I want to maybe talk about some modern games that I think do the atmosphere and space and patience thing well, you know? Mm. Um, one that's obviously really inspired by the original Silent Hill uh, that I think does this really well is Lost in Vivo. Uh, <laughs> obviously, I've talked about this game a million times. It's like, you know, I should shut up. But I love how that game uses atmosphere and space to unsettle you and tell you a story. So, like, you find all these environmental clues that are telling you kind of what's going on. And it also mm-hmm. really waits to, like, throw enemies at you or throw set pieces at you that are gonna fuck with you so you're super on edge by the time you start seeing that stuff
1: yeah and it it also um does it with like minecraft graphics yeah
0: yeah yeah pretty successful
1: at being scary with like very little
0: yeah well ditto for the next game i had on my list which is i'm scared Mm, Uh, yeah i think i'm scared is the same idea but like turned up to 11 like it's even more weird and vague the graphics are even more minecrafty uh but like it uses the sound design and it uses those visuals to make everything just vague and and off-putting so like you just you know you start up the game and you're somewhere different every time and you're in some sort of scary hallway and you're just like no i don't wanna
1: yeah and not to mention all the meta shit it does to you and yeah. you know that could even be an entire subtopic of what is scary, right? So
0: well, it is later on. So there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Um, but I, I, I was really impressed with that game, uh, especially got to say the sound design, like uh, so weird and scary.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, you know, another one, obviously, cause it's going to come up at every point here, is a uh, visage, right? Like. Uh, visage impressed me with how long it's willing to let you wander around and also just how silent and ominous all of the wandering is like the silence in visage is fucking deafening you know
1: well it's the new gold standard in uh, spooky games so get used to it (laughs) you know what people need to get used to is the pronunciation of the word visage
0: do people, um, how do people say it? I
1: mean, all these YouTubers are saying Visage. i oh, like, damn, no. dude. Come on.
0: Yeah, you know what's funny is that I have been avoiding any coverage of Visage, basically, because I liked it so much, but I could also, <laughs> s- I could also see how it could just be, like, shitty YouTuber bait, and I really don't want to, like, like the game less because there's some guy like, oh my god, you know, like... It I also is, don't... Yeah.
1: I also don't think the fucking gamer player ass is uh, taking it very seriously. Really? Um, I don't know. It just, like, came out. Maybe it's because the early access thing, they shot their load two years ago, but I don't know. It's... It's kind of shocking that um, the horror world isn't kind of rallying around it.
0: Yeah, that's true, but dude, that early access shit is fucking gnarly, man. Like you can yeah blowing your load is like the perfect phrase for it cause like <laughs> I mean that's I mean,
1: you know, you know, like, lay around with jizz on your chest for two
0: years <laughs> that's what it looks like man <laughs> cause like think about that game or think about world of horror or other games where it's like you already got a press write up like yep. they don't have to cover you again you know what I mean mm-hmm. and they probably don't want to cause they're on to the next thing Well, you know,
1: you know, it will get them right about it again if it gets a switch port.
0: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that is the new thing. Uh, Yeah, that's how Two years
1: later, it'll get a switch port and become a instant classic.
0: I mean, God, how many games did that? Like Hollow Knight definitely did that. Um, Some other games, a lot of best of 2019 games were games that had been out that got switch ports for sure.
1: (laughs) Ridiculous.
0: But some, dude, you know what I remembered yesterday? Yesterday I was uh, making a sandwich and I was like, oh man, isn't Disco Elysium supposed to come out on the Switch? Mm -hmm. And uh, I looked it up and it is still supposed to come out, but there's no date or anything. And like, I'll play that game again on the Switch, dude. Like.
1: Just, just wait. It's going to be a bunch of little Kirby comrades. (laughs) Hell
0: yeah, dude. Come on.
1: Disco Elysium.
0: Fuck yeah. I want to play that game again on the Switch pretty bad, so. Sure, why
1: not? Yeah.
0: Um, okay, well, one other game that I always talk about, but I have to bring up when talking about atmosphere is Soma. Uh, I think Soma does this kind of atmospheric thing really well because it mixes the existential dread that's written into the story with the kind of physical dread of being trapped at the bottom of the ocean while the earth dies. Um, that's fucking horrifying and I I thought that was a big component of why that game was effective as a horror game you know what I mean sure yeah, yeah. okay well you know the next thing I wanted to talk about is sort of a related topic which is graphics and sound mm.
1: Um,
0: I think I wanted to talk a little bit about how games use audio visual components to be scary or to suggest horror Um, and I think I don't know about you. I know you'll probably have some other thoughts. For me, a lot of my thoughts are kind of along the lines of what I said about atmosphere in space where like, I really kind of want games to just create an atmosphere. You know what I mean?
1: Sure. Well, there's a balance um, because a lot of times with soundtrack music, ambient music, you're setting a tone, but uh, a lot of times, you know, in the case of something like visage, uh, you want that absence of that because the silence is scary by itself. Mm-hmm. So there, there is a balance there because, you know, the silent hill series, Akira Yamaoka is going to have like some fucking bangers when you're walking around. Is it scary? No. Is it setting an atmosphere? Absolutely but then again when the trash cans start get banging in silent hill <laughs> it does add to that fear so yeah i f- i feel like there is um the visuals and the sound can have kind of like opposing effects sometimes and i'm thinking specifically of parts in like you know silent hill 3 where uh, heather climbs out the window and you get the banging track yeah or you know in silent hill origins which we just covered where um you know you complete a stage and you get the bang and trip hop song as you exit.
0: Yeah. Well, so that was kind of my thought on, let's talk about sound first. Uh, My thought on sound was that it should be used to create an immersive environment. Um, And so, yeah, you kind of highlight the two opposite sides of that spectrum, which is you need to use silence or like room tone near silence to Mm -hmm. establish a sense of place. Like if it's all music, It's not scary, but if there's no music, there isn't pacing, right? Like there isn't a push and pull and that's actually interesting. You know, I felt like in I'm scared, I love the sound design, but I do feel like there's almost too much silence in that game because when you get to the end of the game, it's not as effective anymore early. It's Mm. super effective. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, But yeah, so you need to use silence, but then you also need to have music to create a push and pull one thing that's interesting about music, though, that you also bring up when talking about Silent Hill is that it's important to not overload the player with audio information. Uh, and that's why I was so harsh on the, like, undynamic music in Silent Hill Origins versus the sure. dynamic music in something like Silent Hill 3. Like, yeah. Silent Hill 3 has the least scary soundtrack of any Silent Hill game and the most just, like, album you know what I mean? It's just like mm-hmm. the lost third Sneaker Pimps record or something. <laughs> uh, but like uh, it because it's dynamic, it actually works really well. And there's enough silence and there's enough like scary music in there that it doesn't like ruin the game. And, and not to say it ruins the game in Silent Hill Origins. But for me, it did take away from the atmosphere that the music wasn't dynamic and wasn't as well placed, you know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it all comes back to that power of suggestion, right? Like, that you need to use sounds that are evocative and that create something inside the player's mind rather than, like, just putting as much information out there as possible. That's why I didn't like the sound design. Not to go down this road again, but that's why I didn't like the sound design in Dead Space because (laughs) I thought at the end of the day it was just too much information like Mm -hmm. the ambient like spaceship noises in that game are really good but the whole picture is it was too much information i couldn't parse it and i didn't think it added to the tension
1: (laughs) yeah you might be able to like appreciate it if you just like stop and stand there and like wait for all the talking to cease (laughs) yeah appreciate it
0: well yeah so that's that's the problem with like you know things not being dynamic. Like, in Silent Hill 3, right, you climb out the bathroom window, you get the best song of all time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which anyone who's listened to the music I make knows why I say that.
1: Wait, uh, Hammer Smashed Face by Cannibal Corpse starts
0: when you <laughs> climb out the window? <laughs> Big Neck Dad by Cannibal Corpse.
1: <laughs> uh, oh, total side note, but... I watched this video of him, uh, George Corpse Grinder Fisher, talking about how much he loves the clearance section at Target. (laughs) Go look that up if you need a giggle.
0: Man, well, he's not buying t-shirts there because I don't think his neck would fit through anything you could buy at Target. (laughs)
1: Uh, Yeah, it's a a 2X shirt with a 4X neck.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying, dude. No standard (laughs) sizes for that neck. Uh, But yeah, like... But, okay, you crawl out the window, you get to hear the greatest song of all time, but then when you leave the area, it fades out, and you're back into some spooky shit. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a lot of restraint, you know what I mean? It's not like, oh, look, I made this thing, let's blast it at the player for like 15 minutes, right? Um, Yeah. And so I think that's what sets the sound design in that game, which has a lot of melodic, almost like full band sounding music aside from something like Dead Space or Silent Hill Origins, you know? There's just not a lot of restraint in those games, and I think it kind of ruins it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: So, talking about graphics, I think I, I sort of have, like, a similar take on it, which is that despite wanting to have graphics that look good and that are, you know, like, impressive to the player, you still need to suggest more than you show. You know what I mean? Like... I really find that I like the chonky graphics in games like I'm Scared or Lone Survivor uh, just because they are vague and they sort of let your mind fill in the blanks. Um, yeah. Silent it, Hill 1,
1: man. Going yeah. back to it again. Yeah. You need the chonk. You need the fog. You need the big blocky fog. Um, but it, it's kind of a double-edged sword, though, because at the same time, uh, you know, games like Silent Hill 2, 3, and 4 had, like, cutting-edge, like, face mo- face models and uh, mo-cap. So, you know, that series shows both sides of that argument, I feel like. Because, you know, the, the character models in Silent Hill 2 through 4 are pretty gorgeous, so...
0: Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say, though, is that on the other side of that spectrum... You still... You can have hi-fi, good-looking graphics, but you still need to do something interesting with them, and you still need to, like, sort of tweak the player's imagination, right? Like, I find that I like the really intensely psychedelic stuff. Like, Sound 3 and 4 are both intensely psychedelic, and I think they're beautiful games. Um, mm-hmm. I think in modern games, like, Visage is awesome at this. Like, with, you know, you smash a mirror, and suddenly you're outside, or, like you walk into, you know, a portal to nowhere or whatever, you know, like those are really cool things you can do with really hi-fi, like beautiful graphics that still require you to use imagination and they still require Mm. you to like suggest more than you show, you know?
1: That's interesting. Uh, Sometimes I find that I prefer mundane things, like I've mentioned on the show before that I like... You know, suburban stages and city stages and games, just because I think they're kind of like, I don't know, mundane, everyday things. I think that, that lends itself here too, because I like it in Visage when you're just like exploring a house you've never been in and it's spooky because you don't know how the house is. Or like in Silent Hill, where it's just a town, but it's just abandoned and filled with fog, you know? Uh, I think Taking uh, mundane, everyday things and then recontextualizing them and making them scary is really cool.
0: To me. Oh, yeah. No, I, I totally agree with that. And I think that's kind of the other half of what I'm trying to say here, where it's like, I don't necessarily want, like, photorealistic graphics unless you're trying to do something where you tweak something mundane like that. You know what sure. I mean? And that's what's awesome about Visage, because, like, Visage does have, like, a photoreal style to the environments. You know,
1: like it's when, got that uh, feel to me. It feels like um, an Unreal Engine, like uh, architectural walkthrough that you would like show your client, you know, yeah, if you were an architect or something.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And so, I think that's why it's so cool when you like turn around and you see a pair of eyes or you see like an arm disappear beneath a bed or whatever, or like, yeah, yeah, or the house just changes and there's crazy, fucked up shit going on. Like, that's really really cool that's where i think that like impressive graphics in a horror game can be uh powerful as a tool to create like horror you know but like just a good ass looking horror game if it doesn't have that element to it is usually not very scary like once again it's not a bad it doesn't make it a bad game but it does make it not scary you know it does feel
1: like the extremes are best here like either hi-fi or lo-fi the, the more I think of it, the less that maybe, um, like, the visual aesthetics matter. I don't know. Because some, some of these games are so highly stylized and they work, but then some games are so plain. I feel like um, like Visage doesn't have a strong art design either way. They just go for, you know, realistic for the most part. So, yeah, this is interesting to talk about because I don't think there's one good answer.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's definitely not one good answer, and yeah, like there are games that are scary because they're super stylized, and then games that are scary because they're not. And I think ultimately, it's just I, I do think it comes down to not trying to show the player everything and trying to mm-hmm. use their imagination and trying to use the power of suggestion.
1: Because you know, um, we like chunky graphic games. Like you know, we both loved I'm Scared and Lost in Vivo. But at the same time something like uh Faith which I thought was really uh cool you didn't enjoy as much. Um I don't know yes. you liked the stylized cutscenes and everything but it didn't hold up for you like it did for me.
0: Yeah, and I think that game was too stylized cuz like the t- like the audio was annoying to me. Like the not all of it, but like the voices in the game were mm-hmm. just like annoying to me and it was like I get what you're doing here, but it's mixed super loud and it's like it's too chonky. <laughs>
1: like <laughs> you gotta ride that style and substance line I swear it's razor thin.
0: It's it's incredibly razor thin. I totally And then I,
1: I think you know I think that line moves back and forth depending on, you know, people's personal feelings and opinions. So
0: Yeah. Well and and I think that some of it too is just like how good is the design, right? Because like I mentioned Lone Survivor earlier. I love Lone Survivor. It's probably one of my favorite games. And, like, that game has such a strong, central idea, right? Which is that, like, your character's mental state matters. As things crumble around him and get worse, you know that it's somehow linked to your mental state. So mm-hmm. the the images it shows you, the visual things they've designed, they all tie back into that central idea, you know? Um... And that's really powerful and it makes the game work really well, as does the good visual design. But then you look at something like Claire that has a similar visual style (laughs) and even has some good visual design. And I like the overall style of that game because it lacks any strong ideas at all. Basically, I just kind of ended up not liking the game. You know what I mean? It's I mean, it's the lone survivor we have at home,
1: you know? Yeah don't play Claire play Lone Survivor
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah right which is how
1: could you yeah I mean if you've if somebody has played both of those games back to back how could you recommend the vastly inferior one
0: yeah for sure I think that's but that gets to kind of the core of this where it's like there needs to be good ideas and there needs to be like a big idea like Mm. a a similar comparison between Silent Hill and Silent Hill Origins right like I was mentioning this last night because we were playing uh, Dead by Daylight and uh, there was the Lisa like character skin in that game. Mm. And like <laughs> I was like, man, the Lisa character model and just character overall in Silent Hill Origins is like so fucking derpy like she's just like ultra derp lisa and like all her lines are like i do drugs like and it's like okay this is not how the original game was like there was just like looking for a good time trucker boy (laughs) yeah that's basically her whole character and she looks derpy as hell and it's like oh yeah like having a strong idea is what makes a character like this work in silent hill and mm-hmm. the lack of that same strong or compelling idea is what makes her a derpathon in Sound Hill Origins. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so okay, another thing that I feel like is is kind of a good branch off of talking about graphics is immersion, and the way that horror games play with perspective. Mm. Um, I think that there are a few ways that horror games uniquely kind of play with things like the player perspective and what you can and can't see in a game. Sure. I think that the first and kind of biggest point on here is like, first person is scary.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, and it actually took horror games a while to get there. I mean, there were some early examples. D... Echo Knight, Tecmo's Deception. Um, but they weren't really scary. But man, this this new generation of uh first person horror games are scary as fuck. And it's you can't really put third person games into the same category because they're just not nearly as successful as being scary.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's another thing I was gonna talk about up top that I forgot to mention, but like feel like throughout this conversation we're kind of drawing a line between like stuff that scared us when we first played it as kids and stuff that we think is like scary or unsettling now you know and like yeah i think returning to a lot of those third person games you're like oh you know what now that we're used to this and that we're not kids and it's not new anymore this isn't super scary but like first person shit is inherently scary um i think that being locked into the character's eyes creates limitations that are just like so good for horror, you know? Yeah. Well, so it creates a limitation,
1: but it's not, it's, it's a natural limitation. Unlike in, you know, 1995, 96, when we had pre-rendered backgrounds and a, a forced static camera angle, right? Uh, it was limited, but it didn't feel natural. It feels natural in first-person where you have to, like, turn around really fast and see what's behind you. Yeah. Um, but in third-person, you know, the tank controls and everything, that was scary while we were kids. It's more just, like, frustrating and annoying now.
0: Yeah. Oh, for sure. I totally agree. That's why, I like, first-person is such a great um, evolution in the horror genre. And, yeah, every all the scary shit I've played in the last ten years has, like, all been... uh first-person you know i still love third-person horror games and they can still be really fun but uh first-person is like the clear winner in terms of like being scary sure yeah i mean like two
1: remake had its moments yeah you know games like that but at the same time it's just like nothing compared to a, like re7's intro or something so yeah, yeah. for
0: sure one thing I think is really interesting about this and that I think was a big influence on the jo- on the genre is J-horror. Another thing I love to talk about endlessly, uh, but it's actually pretty interesting to go back to some of the big names of the first wave of J-horror, and a lot of them used uh, first-person perspective shifts. Uh, and they like to create what I would call like corner of your eye scares like something that you see just happen at the edge of the screen or like in the you know edge of your field of vision um, that's super creepy and weird um, visage borrows this idea a lot and does it really well but I do feel like there was a distinct shift in the ps2 generation when games started incorporating this idea um, obviously the first one that comes to mind is fatal frame uh, which is a game that, basically created its own kind of horror by putting all of the combat in first person right well Um, and yeah it does something that most horror games
1: don't do is that you have to confront the spooks directly in first person instead of running from the spooks
0: yeah thank you for listening to zero brightness if you'd like to support us directly you can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness and also find and interact with us on facebook instagram and discord all the relevant links are at zerobrightness.com we'll see you out there it's also an interesting idea at the time I and mean, i think it's held up better than you know mechanically better than some earlier survival horror stuff where like the combat is in first person but everything else is still in third person so they didn't have to work out the kinks of having the whole game be in first person they could just work out yeah. the kinks of the combat and the scares being in first person right um, yeah i love the fail frame games those were some early games that i thought were like really really scary just for that reason and once again just really immersive right because you have to put yourself in the character's eyes whenever you want to solve a puzzle or fight a ghost
1: I would hope that if we ever get another iteration of Fatal Frame, um, they would know to put it all in first person.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I can't see that not being the case, but I could also see them just never making another one, which fucking sucks.
1: Or also just doing third person because male gaze Fatal Frame.
0: <laughs> true, true. The real survival horror, the male gaze. Um, another game from this time was, of course, Silent Hill 4. Uh, we talked about it in the episode, but Silent Hill 4 took a big <laughs> leap off the edge w- by setting a decent chunk of the game in first person and basically making their own little kind of haunted house uh, slash haunted apartment simulator. You know, this
1: th- the, the Silent Hill 4 thing is interesting to me because when it came out, it was like the mediocre sequel but now, you know, coming up on 2021, um I think it had a delayed shockwave in its influence, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, going back to Visage and other first-person horror games, I I think Silent Hill, you know, even um PT um had a huge Silent Hill 4 influence. Yeah. So- yeah, I think I yeah, I think it just took a while for people to understand how fucking great those first person apartment sections were in SH4.
0: Yeah, and I still even like I don't I didn't really enjoy replaying the whole of the third person part of the game, but the first person part of the game is awesome. Like yeah. Unimpeachably great. And uh it was so scary at the time. Like we were just not ready for that. Uh <laughs> and like I remember even the first time I played it like it was just so freaky. Like, it just had yeah. not been done. We were not ready for it. And it's great. And once again, that that game has insane atmosphere in those sections. Just like super silent, super quiet, always keeps you uh, on the edge of your seat waiting for something horrible to happen. And yeah, Visage definitely, I mean, Visage makes tons of overt references to Silent Hill 4,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: even if they hadn't, you would see the influence that that game had on Visage.
1: Yeah, well, you even see Silent Hill 4 references in, like, non-horror games. Like, Ion Fury had a Silent Hill 4 uh, apartment in it. And I think that apartment has been featured in several games. Because I I feel like um, creative dev types latched onto that. And now that they're creative dev types, they're uh, paying homage.
0: Yeah. No, totally. Yeah, I totally agree with
1: that. Did I just visage homage? visage
0: uh you can say homage or homage am i allowed to do that okay yeah because i think homage homage or homage is i think the english pronunciation like english english pronunciation and i think homage is like the french pronunciation Mm. i mean obviously i'm not saying it correctly but that's like you know what i mean like some words have those multiple pronunciation things now i'm thinking about it It, how do you say visage fuck (laughs) well okay another game from around this time that i think is also definitely worth discussing in this context is siren Mm. uh siren was another game that uh i played at the time and all my friends played at the time it blew our fucking socks off uh it was so fucking scary and fucked up and a (laughs) a big reason why it was scary is that the game has a gimmick in it where you can use like, like mental powers to look through your enemy's eyes. So you basically go into a first person mode where you can't move, but you can tune like a radio. So there's a bunch of radio static and it's all fucked up looking. Uh, and you can tune yourself into an enemy's frequency and you can look through their eyes and see what they're doing. Um, So you basically are using that to see where your enemies are and to try and avoid them. It's all about sneaking past them, not getting caught because you are always super soft and squishy and you very rarely have effective weapons. Um, So you don't want to fight at all. And like, man, that was so (laughs) fucking scary. I mean, the feeling of tuning around and trying to see where an enemy is and then suddenly seeing yourself on screen. Holy shit. Like, that's probably the most effective use of the third-person, first-person shift that I've ever mm. seen in a game.
1: We'll have to get to that one day. One of these it, days.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a game with some problems. It's, it's so brutally, insanely hard that it's unplayable for, like, 99% of people. But, like, man, what a great fucking game. And I even played... I played, like most of the ps3 sequel that was a lot less discussed and and rated but uh that game was pretty great too just because of that central gimmick like Mm. it works so well it's so tense and scary uh that it just it just like hits every time you know Um, well
1: one one more first person japanese horror game that i wanted to highlight was uh echo night beyond because when Mm. i played that as a kid it scared the hell out of me and yeah. uh, the first person was really successful at spooking the hell out of me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and in terms of the spooks department, Echo Knight Beyond was such a big step above Echo Night, um, Just yeah. because of the aesthetics and because of the shift in tone, which combined with the first person, which had always been a part of the series, just makes it way more effective. Totally. So another thing that I count as being an immersion tactic or a way that games play with the player's perspective are something that I'm going to broadly call sanity effects, right? Um, I know that's probably not the best term for them, but, you know, obviously we're all familiar with games that have a sort of gimmicky way of fucking with the way the player sees the game, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The examples that are most famous that come to mind immediately are, of course, Eternal Darkness, um, a game that literally gave you a sanity meter and as it counted down uh, it basically started fucking with you and pulling pranks on you as you were playing the game uh, and then we also saw it in Metal Gear Solid 1 and 2 which both had sequences in them that were all about fucking with the player making meta references or interacting directly with the player mm-hmm. and trying to basically convince you that you had lost your fucking mind Um you know years later you know over a full decade later in some cases here uh, amnesia brought it back and basically took it to a new level by creating a whole game that was just meant to troll the player <laughs> and to make mm-hmm. them think they were you know using a system in the game when they weren't the game was just trolling them uh- <laughs> <laughs> i now i bring this up i'm i'm on the fence about sanity effects like They are super gimmicky, but we've talked about on the show how we both think that they're kind of underused in the sense that they haven't, like, reached the potential that they could. Like, we were joking about there being a game that, like, turns your lights on and off with your smart home shit,
1: you know? I was gonna bring that up. Visage is the perfect game for that. When we get Visage (laughs) Game of the Year Edition, it better integrate into your fucking smart home and scare (laughs) the piss out of you. (laughs) Imagine if your fridge started talking about you.
0: Yeah, for sure. (laughs) I think that, though, one thing that's interesting about this whole kind of branch off of this topic we're talking about is that I do feel like it's been pretty influential on modern games. Um, I do think that in the more mainstream game sphere, developers like Bloober and some of the bigger like first-person indie horror games have all kind of borrowed that idea in the sense that they have this insanely psychedelic style to them where Mm -hmm. they're constantly trying to fuck with you they're constantly trying to like shift your perspective and make you think you're seeing something you're not um and i think that visage kind of borrowed this a bit too in that like so much of the game is like these weird corner of your eye scares or waiting around for something to happen that there's almost like a meta element to the way that it interacts with the player. And Mm. I really feel like I want to see more games take it in that direction.
1: Well, I I feel like this is kind of two different things and it's almost apples and oranges to me, the sanity effects and the psychedelia experience. Uh, Those two things are very different for me and i think the fourth wall breaking stuff like i'm scared doki doki literature club yeah they fall more into the sanity effects side but i think those are the more effective versions of that yeah to me a lot of the earlier sanity effect stuff you know eternal darkness amnesia they're more distracting and not scary and they end up being just more annoying to me personally mm. Sure. But when but when it breaks out into the fourth wall like Doki Doki does, like I'm scared does. Uh it's it's unnerving to me. Like that that meta effect. Um yeah, yeah. and then to, yeah, to me the psychedelia stuff is is like a different subgenre of this. I, I I feel like that's not linked, but I could see I could see why you did that.
0: Yeah, I I feel like it is just because, you know, in something like Eternal Darkness, or amnesia it's kind of clunky right like in eternal darkness it's like you're going crazy now officially you're going crazy tm and Mm -hmm. so we're going to show you your head blowing up or something and we're going to show you you know something unexpected is going to happen to you um and i feel like modern games are doing something similar but just in a more like smooth way or a more like presented way like i think of the sequence in blair witch one of the sequences where you're like running across a field and he's hearing like you know gunshots and he thinks bombs are going off and shit as like Mm. kind of like that same idea but executed in a different way um Mm. well i do agree i think there's those are kind of two different things like there's that kind of shit and then there's like the real fourth wall meta breaking shit like i'm scared and doki doki um yeah i like it all personally i think it's really unsettling um i hope that people do take it in both directions i mean i was gonna say one thing i liked about the new amnesia is they're not really trying to troll the player anymore but they are still trying to make things really crazy and psychedelic
1: yeah Uh,
0: and once again i feel like there's a huge influence from eternal darkness in the way that it tried to like fuck with you but it's just that's kind of a dead end right like you can't just keep having games that prank the player like that's mm-hmm. boring you know
1: well you know you can keep pushing it like i said um when pony island dm'd me on steam oh that was yeah effective, you know yeah even if it was a you know a obviously you know fake steam pop-up that was cool as fuck you know
0: yeah totally that's another yeah another great example you know we've we've covered a fair amount of these like meta horror games. And then, yeah, in that episode we talked about that and then we talked about eversion. Um, I would like to see more stuff like this cause I think it's, mm-hmm. it's super interesting. Like both kind of things, like the stuff that has psychedelia that really gets under your skin and is weird. And the stuff that's literally like, I'm going to message you now. <laughs> you yeah. I, I want to see
1: how far we can push that fourth wall, you know? Silent Hill Shattered Memories had the Wiimote where it was like a phone and then you could like listen to phone calls.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Why doesn't a game use your phone? Why doesn't a game, you know, uh, there's so much technology in people's houses now, you know, let's keep pushing that fourth wall and scare the living piss out of people.
0: Yeah, well, and I feel like even if it was, you know, so we've talked about before that it's hard to sort of walk that line between like, fucking with people's shit without their consent and like making mm. something scary I don't why couldn't you just have to download an app right and then or it's like a Jackbox
1: you know yeah you just log into Jackbox with a four letter code and then you start playing the game right why yeah. couldn't you do that with your horror game
0: like that would still be cool even though it wouldn't be as fucked up as if you didn't know it was gonna happen you know like yeah. it would still be cool I think yeah yeah, yeah. well yeah for sure
1: consumer consent i think is still a thing
0: (laughs) yeah 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 well yeah that's what i'm saying i i want i do still want a barrier like i have to use an app or have to log in like a jackbox game but i also don't have a smart home and i never will so i guess that (laughs) that aspect of it is not really aimed at me i do think it'd be funny if a game just started yelling directions at your alexa or something
1: You log into the phone app and uh, uh, an actor comes into your house uh, through the back door with a knife. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if someone comes in and shoots you. That's the game. That would be pretty funny though if you have your like game playing through your uh, TV and it starts like talking to your Alexa. Uh
0: huh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Alexa, please turn the lights off.
0: <laughs> yeah, just Alexa, play Naked City. <laughs>
1: siri please play goodbye horses
0: <laughs> i hope we didn't just turn somebody's shit on <laughs> I, I would love that oh maybe we did see we're the best horror game of 2021 you're welcome
1: siri please play hammer smashed face by Cannibal Corps <laughs> oh god
0: <laughs> please play my big neck dad's music <laughs> So, okay, the last thing I wanted to talk about uh, is stress. Mm. Uh, I think this is sort of the last tactic that I thought of for this episode. That's not; These aren't the only things games can do, but I was just trying to think of stuff. This is the last one I thought of, and it's stress. Um, I think the common ground between action games and horror games is that there is a type of horror game that basically is just intended to stress the player out and to create like a sort of terror stress response more than like Mm. a slow moving horror stress response, you know? Yeah. There was something I wanted
1: to talk about, uh, with silent hill four earlier on, but I didn't bring it up because I knew we were going to talk about this. Uh, silent hill four does this because at the beginning of the game, your apartment is your like safe space. But then halfway through the game, they take that from you. And then you're running through the second half of the game with no respite anywhere. And it just cranks the stress up so high that it makes the uh, the last half of the game very stressful.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think that there's kind of a progression throughout the history of horror games, like towards games that are solely in this genre. Um, mm-hmm. I think in the first wave of survival horror games... Uh, the bad controls and wonky combat meant that every encounter was stressful. And so the yeah. games mined that for scares. Um, mm-hmm. You know, whether. Going with that, it's going to be
1: scarcity, you know,
0: item yeah. and health scarcity. Yeah. And like whether or not those were brilliant choices or happy accidents, you know, it did kind of establish that stress is a part of horror gaming. But a couple generations later, you start to get stuff yeah like you know silent hill 4 and then later we start to get a lot more over stress games like i would consider them like stress games i'm thinking of outlast and alien isolation being like the two big ones right yeah
1: well one thing we haven't talked about here is um one of the most effective ways to make a player scared is to disempower them yeah so making them not being able to fight and and just hiding in lockers and under beds uh that will crank the stress levels up and make your game scary
0: yeah for sure and i also think that that was an interesting evolution throughout the history of these games because you went from games where you could fight but the fighting was bad and ineffective to devs just saying hey fuck it let's just take out combat which I think Mm -hmm. was a great change I'm totally in support of that and and that That was almost it meant that they would focus more on like the, the actual aspects of it that make it scary instead of just trying to fuck with the player or like push their head in the dirt you know
1: yeah the um I think going to a complete lack of combat was kind of like a pendulum swing going from the other side where you know everything was so action heavy in horror games for several years then it swung back and they were like hey if you want to make something actually scary you can't kind of can't make it a you know a shoot fest
0: yeah for sure and i think that with games like outlast and alien isolation which i think are both really effective in their own ways um it's an interesting combination of all the stuff we talked about earlier um, which is that you d- still need scary enemies and you still need really good atmosphere. Um, and you also need a pretty big dose of like patience, like we discussed earlier, where like it can't just be constant, you know, chasing, chasing, chasing. Like there has to be downtime, there has to be exploration, and you have to make it so that when the player does have to hide, does have to worry about getting caught, that it's kind of like. Uh, a surprise or it's like a novel experience you know Um, I -hmm. think that's a big difference between outlast 1 and outlast 2 you know why the first game is effective and the second game isn't really uh the pacing kind of sucks amongst other problems (laughs) (laughs)
1: um
0: you know and the other thing too is that the this is an interesting way to make a horror game that's difficult Uh, Because in these games, the difficulty actually adds to the tension and to the horror, you know? Like, in Alien Isolation, you really do not want to get caught. You do not want to replay any part of that game. (laughs) True. Um, And I kind of feel the same way about Outlast. Uh, Outlast isn't, like, super difficult, but it has a couple parts that you'll probably get stuck on. And... Uh, if it's the right balance, they actually end up adding to the horror and making the game like super stressful.
1: Mm-hmm. The, I think the, uh, the razor's edge here is that um, if you make it so frequently that people get caught, uh, it doesn't become scary anymore. It just becomes annoying. Mm-hmm. So you really have to uh, finally tune that balance. You know, there were there were some points in Outlast where you know I died six times in a row, and it just became annoying and not scary at all. Um, yeah, you know, games like Amnesia kind of tune that a little more towards the player. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the good answer here. It's just a good balance. I think. I think something maybe like uh, RE7, uh, the first third of RE7, uh, really nails that balance.
0: Yeah, the late game in Outlast sucks for that reason uh, when the smoke monster from Lost is hunting you and it's just Mm -hmm. like so, you just die over and over and over. That part sucks. But yeah, it's interesting to look at the games that borrowed aspects from like Outlast and Alien Isolation thinking of Evil Within 1 and 2 Resident Evil 7 and the Resident Evil remakes that came out recently. Uh, All those games ended up taking some elements from these games. Um, but it's interesting that none of them tried to make like a whole game that played by those rules like I feel like that's part of why Resident Evil 7 is so effective is that that section is pretty short all told Um, same with Evil Within it borrows it but only for short sections you know
1: yeah and if you keep playing Evil Within like that it's gonna kick your fucking ass because it, it seems like it wants you to play the game like that but it doesn't want you to play the game like that
0: kind of wants you to play the game like that but yeah you still got to shoot a lot of fucking dudes like there's you gotta no to into
1: that shit starting yeah. chapter three episode one
0: <laughs> well see i actually played chapter three like outlast and that's that's why i can do it without like wasting all my items but mm. i see what you're saying uh yeah it's ultimately though it's just such a hard balance um and i think that there's a lot of your mileage may vary in this right um you know, speaking of Visage, again, we both had pretty different experiences with different chapters of Visage. Like, the parts where I seem to get really stuck, you didn't seem to get too stuck, you know, and, and vice versa. Sure. And I think that's, once again, goes back to Visage being kind of an unbalanced, unbalanced game in a lot of ways. Totally,
1: yeah. Yeah. Thinking about that part where uh, you're stuck in a room with a little girl, and there's just a bunch of chests of drawers you have to run around and find the key in one of the randomly generated chest of drawers. Oh yeah. Cool nightmare. Not fun.
0: Yeah. And like, I just got lucky and that part took yeah. me like two minutes, you know? So it's, it, that's the, the problem with doing this style or incorporating the style. Actually, it's pretty funny. Cause like, uh, I did a video, uh, on evil within for our Patreon shout out to our Patreon. Uh, and in that video, I kind of show, People how I think they should play Evil Within and it's on hard mode and when I actually get to the like chapter 3 the part where the game like really starts I'm playing it like Outlast and having a great time and doing pretty well but at the beginning of the game, in the intro, there's a part that is literally just an Outlast rip where you like hide in a locker and then you have to sneak by a big butcher guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't record that part because I just got my shit rocked. Like I died over and over and over. And it was like, wow, on hard mode, this part fucking sucks. And I was like, so happy that the rest of the game is not in that style, you know?
1: Mm Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's pretty easy on normal or or easy, uh, but yeah, that shit gets really gnarly.
1: Yeah, that stealth and evil within one can be real hit or miss, and I just had a lot more success being a commando.
0: Sure. Yeah. Well, and that's I similar. Think they t-
1: tightened it up more in two.
0: Oh yeah, a lot more for sure. But that's also a similar thing with Outlast, where like Outlast, the stealth is super wonky, but the game is just easy enough that it won't ruin your playthrough if you're not good at it, you know?
1: Yeah. I feel like visage is the one game like this where there is no stuff. Like you just can't hide.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Which is interesting. I was thinking that as I was playing, cause like, I guess there's some parts where if you crouch, you get an advantage, but I think it's glitches. (laughs) Uh, Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, I I mean uh, that room with the chests of drawers, that uh i died several times and i you know i ended up learning you know how far that girl could see before she would see me and things like that so
0: yeah for sure yeah i mean it, that game would definitely benefit from having some element like that but yeah you know and it's it's kind of the same i've i do not know i felt like the resident evil or evil then games or the stealth is not as important it's sometimes a little bit frustrating Yeah, because I think that's what makes these games work is having some tools at your disposal that aren't combat. That's why, I mean, Alien Isolation is so great because the enemy you're facing is really smart and you also have all the tools you need, you know, to have multiple approaches to get through the scenario. And so when you die, until you get to the end of the game, the game goes on way too long and the end is just really frustrating. But (laughs) until you get to that last, you know, five hours or whatever of the game... Uh, I feel like it's super well balanced and you're, the enemy is really engaging and you have all the tools you need to try different things and have different approaches to the game
1: mhm yeah. well I mean hmm. uh, I think there's a little bit of rose colored glasses there because nobody talks about like the human to human combat in that game you know the androids are kind of cooler than that and then the xenomorphs are like amazing you know when you have to deal with them But yeah, there's like the human combat and stuff that no one really talks about. That's kind of like middle of the road, you know?
0: Yeah, I see. I like that stuff, though, because you get this huge array of tools and those are the parts that actually make you explore and try the different tools if Mm -hmm. you do, because like the Xenomorph, I didn't use a lot of the gadgets. I was really just like wits. But then when you fight the humans, you fight the androids. You're like, oh, I have this giant inventory and like all these recipes for weird crap i'm gonna try all this shit and see what happens so that's i actually did like that stuff
1: yeah you know it's almost like it uh verges on like uh, deus Ex or something like that
0: yeah very prey very prey-ish yeah well that that was my stuff that i had those were the things that i think uh games do to be scary that that can be really effective when used correctly
1: Yeah, I mean, just uh, themes in uh, horror media that are effectively, like, that actually scare me. Okay. Um, In terms of uh, themes, uh, the fish out of water thing is really uh, spooky to me. Uh, Like, films like uh, Green Room, you know, Mm -hmm. with a bunch of, like... It's it's a film about a, a punk band that goes and plays. They accidentally play like a neo-Nazi festival, and then they get stuck in the green room. You know, and another one I thought of was like Cannibal Holocaust. You know, where uh, a film crew gets stuck out in the jungle with a bunch of cannibals, and they have to, and they clearly don't survive. You know, the fish out of water stories like that are like really really scary. I guess something like Hostel would be in that category too.
0: Hmm. Interesting. I don't know if I, I find that overall as like a scary idea. I mean, green room is horrifying if you've ever been on tour. Cause like you've, and I love that movie, but like you've absolutely been in a scenario that's at least like 15% like that. If not more, Mm -hmm. probably more depending on how many non white people are in your band (laughs) Uh, or non male people are in your band. But like, uh, yeah, I mean, there's definitely that, you know, not to forgive the pun, but, you know, isolation is definitely, like, a big thing in mm-hmm. most horror. And I think even, you know, classic horror games were just like, okay, we're going to put you in this fucked up scenario, you know. And, like, something like Silent Hill maybe has some of that vibe because you don't trust anyone and they all seem like they're fucking crazy. Um. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, something
1: like Suspiria where you, like... The girl goes to like a new school in a new country and she's, you know, isolated from everything she knows to be normal. But yeah, it's, it's stuff like that is fucking freaky. I mean,
0: yeah, for sure.
1: Uh, another one, uh, uh, another big theme for me that's scary, that's really scary is uh, claustrophobia. That's something that the uh, intro to Lost in View does really well when you're just like yeah. mindlessly going through all the sewer tunnels but um film like the descent uh that movie is not scary because of the monsters it's scary because of the extreme claustrophobia Uh, i recently read a creepypasta story on the internet about some uh spelunkers and that shit stuck with me for days because it was just so fucking terrifying personally to me you know tight spaces and stuff scare the shit out of me
0: yeah well and i think actually horror games can do that really well i mean they love shoving you into vents and shit and uh it's definitely effective like i mean alien isolation holy shit every time you end up like shoving yourself into a vent is fucking horrible uh i think speaking of the descent uh the thing that always struck me about that movie was like the darkness like that's such an Mm -hmm. insanely dark movie and uh yeah i mean so many games do that like high contrast darkness thing really well where you can't get your bearings um you can't really see what's going on and yeah i mean uh visage definitely does that well there's so many parts where i just had no idea what was going on and i couldn't really see what was going on i was like squinting you know yeah um, yeah or or fucking uh, amnesia like jesus christ that's like half the game is like you're crouched in a fucking wood tunnel like trying to see a foot ahead of you mm-hmm. yeah it I works I feel like
1: going with that is um f- the sonic one underwater thing when you're running out of air and the music gets faster <laughs> and scarier each time yeah like claustrophobia and lack of air go hand in hand with me as like scary as fuck things mm.
0: it's a stressor for sure I mean, it's like one of the easiest ways to just push the stress button for the player or the mm-hmm. audience is like, you can't breathe. You're just like, oh fucking hell.
1: Even like, uh, scenes in movies where the character is like drowning. I don't know. For some reason it just like sucks me in and I like can't breathe also, you mm. know, something about that like really gets to me
0: when I was a kid, whenever someone was like stuck in a coffin, it scared the shit out of me. Yeah. I thought that was like, so scary.
1: I was like watching the descent, like yelling at the TV, like, no, stop. What are you doing? (laughs) Stop it. You know? I don't have that like visceral reaction to movies that often, you know?
0: Mm, Interesting. Uh,
1: Another theme that I have written down that is uh, scary to me is uh, loss of control or sense of faculties. And this is something that games rarely do. The only thing I could think of was an uh, Outlast where they actually like maim the character and cut a finger off. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is something more that uh, like uh, psychological films do. You know, they uh, they make the narrator become uh, less reliable. Uh, the sense of time might be jumbled. Things like that. That's sure. that's that's really spooky and unnerving to me. Especially if a character is like going crazy or something. I like that kind of stuff. Like you can't trust people that you previously trusted. And then Yeah.
0: For sure. I think that's one thing that games, one of those movie things that games kind of like have a hard time with. Like we talked about it in the amnesia episode how like that game is a rare game that does the child in trouble thing really well uh but like that's so common in movies if there's a horror movie and a kid walks on screen you're like that kid's gonna be in trouble in 20 minutes or less i guarantee it right but yeah it's interesting because i think video games could actually do this really well like i always thought it was weird like in resident evil 7 where you just like get your hand cut off and then your hand is back (laughs) it's like what the hell man (laughs) make me play with one hand that'd be cool
1: yeah or like in movies when like somebody's like slowly wasting away i'm thinking of like uh i think his name was roger from dawn of the dead and you like slowly watch your buddy turn into a zombie
0: well Uh, there is one game that does that really well but i think it's spoilers for me to say what game it is yeah wow Wow, that was actually really hard to watch um Mm. not a horror game either you might know what i'm talking about uh But, uh, you know, interesting, that's actually an element in Hyper Light Drifter, uh, where your character has like a mysterious malady and uh, it it doesn't really play into the story, but you will just have these random episodes where you cough up blood and you can't attack. You can just like walk really slowly. Mm -hmm. And uh, they do kind of, I think they increase in frequency as the game goes on. And I thought that was a really cool touch. This uh, it's just this, like, mysterious thing of, like, why is my character so sick,
1: you know? And, I mean, also, Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah. They did it.
0: Yeah, for sure. There's a few games that actually do that, but that could actually be played for a lot more. I mean, you know, Amnesia Rebirth, I have to give it credit for all the, like, movie stuff that it actually managed to do. I mean, your character does waste away in kind of a horrifying way throughout the game. And mm-hmm. it is... On a low level, pretty upsetting where you're just like because you're just trying to survive, but at the same time, you're like, Am I a ghoul now? Like,
1: this mm-hmm. sucks,
0: <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, the last thing I wanted to note is, um, just like nonsensical ghost stuff, and I'm thinking specifically of that creepy guy in the bear costume in The Shining. Sure, why is he so scary? I I can't even (laughs) quantify why that man is so scary.
0: Well, because furries, but... um,
1: (laughs) Is he, like, the OG furry?
0: (laughs) He's he's daddy furry. Oh, I hate that. Uh, Yeah, I mean, like, non-sequitur horror with a good image is super scary. I feel like Silent Hill 3 has a lot of that. Mm. Like, I feel like Silent Hill 3 was heavily influenced by the scene of the guy blowing the furry. In, uh, <laughs> or is it the furry blowing the guy? I can't remember.
1: Yeah, either one of those is horrifying. So.
0: <laughs> I feel like that style of horror is kind of prevalent in Silent Hill 3. You know, yeah. like walking by weird rooms or like peeking in places and seeing fucked up shit. Um,
1: yeah. Mm, yeah, that's you true. Know? The peoples in Silent Hill Origins—the one cool part of the game.
0: Yeah, or like the the hotel in uh, Galerians. Like, yeah, there's there's a
1: um, a movie I watched recently. It's not an amazing movie, but it has a couple cool ideas. It's called Antrim. It's okay. supposed to be this like lost movie that kills people if you watch it. But the, what they do in the in the film is that like this is like a found reel of it, and then people had edited it. So sometimes in the movie it would cut away to something random and, like, non-sequitory. But it's, like, a snuff fill that somebody, like, cut into it. Or they put in, like, satanic sigils in the middle of the movie and things like that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, you know, just the creepy homemade aspect and the unexpected, you know, aspect is, is really powerful in, uh in horror I do actually think Visage has a good dose of that because like all the VHS tapes that you find mm-hmm. are like just random found footage of like you know people dancing at a VFW or like kids playing in a playground like interspersed with really spooky shit um, it's very reminiscent of the movie Sinister like the big blockbuster horror movie from like years ago yeah we don't uh, talk about that I like that movie a lot. I love that. Is that, that the movie. one with Tiny Tim? What? No. One of those movies that had Tiny Tim song in it. Oh, maybe a tiny I think I was like Tiny Tim's fucking dead, dude. <laughs> tiny Tim or Tiny Tim been dead, dude. Uh do you know that Tiny Tim's actually buried in South Minneapolis? I've been to his grave.
1: Yeah, that's amazing.
0: Yeah. He was Lebanese also. Fun fact. Oh really? Yeah. Love it. Love Tiny Tim trivia. Uh, I heard you live
1: in like a motel and ate birthday cake every day or some shit. Like a bootleg Howard Hughes.
0: Love it, dude. It's probably real. Yeah. Sounds real. I'll believe yeah. it. I'll believe anything, really. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I found a jar of his toenails at the swap meet.
0: <laughs> Fucking sick. Send me them nails. Um. Yeah, I I like that aspect in horror. And I, I thought Visage, Visage actually did that. Pretty well, but yes, weird psychedelic non sequitur shit. I love that shit more. That's like, that's super good, dude. Give me more Mm -hmm. of that, you know? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: For sure. Yeah. Well, now you know how to make a game that would be really scary to us. So if you're listening and you want to make a game that's scary to us specifically, now you know what to do.
1: Green Room, the game. (laughs) How will we escape the Nazis?
0: Oh man, that is a stressful fucking movie, dude.
1: Patrick Stewart is a skinhead. Oh,
0: yeah. Pa- like, Patrick Stewart, underrated as a villain. He should be a villain way more.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.